At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. And I'm so glad to announce that there is a word from the Lord. So if you have your scriptures, let me direct your attention to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel chapter 7. And I'd like to read in your hearing just one verse, verse 12, and I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation of the Bible, which might read a little bit differently than yours. But at the end of the day, the truth is just the truth. This is the word, 1 Samuel 7, 12. Samuel then took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshanah. He named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. And all the people said, amen. amen. Give your neighbor our subject, look at him and say, neighbor. That's my testimony. Up to this point, the Lord has helped me. Amen. And this year we celebrate the 40th anniversary of the Canaan Christian Church. For 40 years, God has led you by his grace. And today, you and I add sentences to a story that is already being told. Up to this point, through prayer and persistence, struggle and sacrifice, God has kept us, and we are glad. Glad to remember March 16th, 1983, in the basement of the Little Flock Baptist Church, when 97 believers joined with a young pastor to start what was then the Canaan Missionary Baptist Church. We are glad to recount the commitment that led them to raise $100,000 in less than a year and lay the foundation for the acquisition of the campus that you now call home. We are glad to recollect the founding pastor, Dr. Walter Malone, the staff, the deacons, the leaders, and the members whose persistent support has sustained this church through tragedy and tough times. We are glad for all the ways God has made, doors God has opened, battles God has fought, storms God has calmed, sickness God has healed, burdens God has lifted, lives God has touched, souls God has saved, and bills God has paid. God has been good to us, and I'm glad to announce that the best is still yet to come. This 40th anniversary is notable because it coincides with something just as significant, because this year also commemorates the 404th year since 20 Africans from what is now Angola were brought in chains on a slave ship called the White Lion to Port Comfort, which is now Fort Monroe in Hampton, Virginia. This was one full year before the arrival 
of the pilgrims on the Mayflower, 113 years before the birth of George Washington and 157 years before the formation of this nation, those 20 Africans sold for food and brought to English North America signaled the start of the transatlantic slave trade in the English colonies. These 20 were not the first people of African descent to arrive in what is now the United States because Africans are documented in the ancient history of Native Americans, the British colony of Bermuda, and in the records of Spanish American colonies like Florida and South Carolina. It's sobering, my friends, to think of how long the issues of race and racism have been a part of our national fabric. Because the reality that this happened 113 years before George Washington was born alerts us to the fact that the enslavement and disenfranchisement of Africans was indeed the amniotic fluid out of which this republic was birthed. It also helps us to understand how the founders could write such noble documents like the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and yet at the same time could hold title to African slaves. It explains how in 1787, in an attempt to determine taxation and representation among the colonies, the three-fifths compromise was written into the Constitution designating that Africans in the Americas were only three-fifths of a human being human enough to count them when determining the number of representatives a state may have, but not human enough to tax slave owners for having them. According to UNESCO, the transatlantic slave trade was unique in the history of the globe for at least three reasons. Number one, its length. It lasted 400 years. Number two, its labeling. It targeted black African men, women, and children. And number three, its legitimization, achieving, achieved by manipulating the law and through black codes and corrupting the church through the misinterpretation of God's holy word. It involves several continents, Africa, North, South, and Central America, Europe, and the Caribbean. It was the first system of globalization. It's estimated that 25 to 30 million people were deported under duress from their homes and sold as slaves, with 17 million being forcibly funneled into the North American system, and that only accounts for those who survived the vile voyage of the Middle Passage. It was the largest deportation in human history for the overwhelming majority of African Americans today, including all of those sharing this experience, owe our existence to somebody who was captured on a continent, loaded on a ship, endured the Middle Passage, was sold as shadow property, endured inevitable horrors, and yet 
did not lose hope. What a unique intersection of anniversary celebrations. And as I prayed, Pastor, for a word that would speak to such a moment of weighty particularity, this text spoke to me. Up to this point, the Lord has helped us. As we contemplate our individual and collective context, as a person who himself has DNA that traces to Cameroon on my mother's side and Portugal, in order for me to be here, my mama's, mama's, mama's generations removed, had to survive the hideous horror of abduction, navigate the gruesome nightmare of the Middle Passage, and suffer the circuitous jeopardy of being forcibly enslaved, desperately clinging to the hope that the Lord would help them. And that's enough for me to shout about for the next 10 years. Because when you think about it statistically, none of us should be here right now. Our ancestors should not have survived what they survived, and yet they did because the Lord helped them. This powerful pericope before us is a part of the historical narrative of the ancient Hebrews. It's a historical bridge between the judges and the kings. It depicts a moment where Samuel, as the last Nagi, the last judge king of Israel, was seeking to bring them back from the edge of anarchy, back from that perilous period when everyone did what was right in his own eyes, back from the rascality and dysfunction to the way and the will of God. And can I suggest to you today that this time in which we live is increasingly becoming similar to Samuel's day, for ours is a time of blurred lines, slanted standards, and diminished distinctions, like Israel then, we often now have a laissez-faire attitude towards that which is holy. And please, my friends, may I urge you today to resist the temptation to permit holy things to become common in your hands. Something ought to be sacred in your life. Israel had been given the Ark of the Covenant more than a caring case for the commandments that Moses had received on the smoking summits of Sinai. It was a sacred artifact meant to symbolize the presence of God. And they tried to use the Ark to manipulate both God and reality according to their own desires. But in chapter 4 of 2 Samuel, God checks them by allowing the Philistines to decisively defeat them and capture the ark. Can I stick a pen right there if I promise to keep on rolling? Don't make God have to check you. Don't play God cheap. Don't mistake God's kindness for weakness or God's love for lenience. Don't snub your nose at God's will and God's word because your arms are too short to box with God. You got to check yourself so you don't wreck yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be worried about me. Check yourself. Amen. See, the, the, 
ark was captured and the Philistines modeled the manipulation of the Israelites trying to use the ark sort of like a magical charm but to their shock and surprise they experienced months of pure heartache as God made it plain to them that God cannot be managed that's real good right there I gotta say it again God cannot be managed okay I'll say it differently God is completely unmanageable did you hear what I said because that's what it means to say that God is sovereign it means that God cannot be managed you can't tell God what to do God does what he wants when he wants how he wants where he wants with whom he wants they may have captured the ark, but they did not control Almighty God. God was greater than their idols and mightier than their maneuvers. And so weary of misfortune, the, the Philistines returned the ark to Israel on a new ox cart. It was taken to the house of Abinadab, and it was from there that Samuel led the people to repent and turn from their idols. But while they were in worship, don't miss this I'm gonna say it again while they were in worship fit the Philistines attacked them again thinking that their worship posture made them vulnerable they didn't realize that one of the most powerful places and postures that any child could be is when they assume a posture of worship and praise Marvin Sapp said it like this I've had my share of ups and downs I've had times when I felt no one around but God came and spoke these words to me that praise will confuse the enemy because when we praise God provides when we praise God protects when we praise God preserves have I got a witness in here they were in worship and yet got attacked and can I I tell you you will be too stop thinking of the church as a cruise ship this is a battleship we gather not just to be encouraged by a blessing that's one part but we gather to be equipped for the battle because there's a fight going on this is not a spiritual spa this is a spiritual command center they were attacked in worship but God responded by sending a storm so severe that it sent the Philistines into a panic and enabled Israel to rout them and it's in the aftermath of that incredible victory that Samuel erects a stone in their midst and names it Ebenezer announcing with these words up to this point the Lord has helped us Samuel celebrates the Lord's help assistance protection provision and defense and don't miss this because the consistent witness of scripture is that God helps those who trust in God Psalm 33 verse 20 says we wait in hope for the Lord for he is our help and our shield Psalm 46 God is our refuge and our strength and ever-present help in trouble Psalm 121 I will lift up mine eyes to the hills from where does my help 
come from, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Samuel understood that, so he said out loud, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. And believe it or not, we could take that one verse and celebrate for the rest of the year. Can I tell you why real quick and I'll be in my seat? Because first, it speaks to us of the duration of the Lord's help. Everybody everywhere say duration. It raises the inquisitive, how long has the Lord helped you? Samuel says, up to this point. Samuel understood that what had just taken place was just one scene in a continuous drama of God's program of deliverance. They were living in a continuum of amazing grace. Samuel could appreciate God's present help in light of God's prior help. That the God who had helped them this time is the same God who had been helping them all the time. For as long as they had been alive, for as long as they had been a people, the Lord had helped them from one generation to another in good times and bad, in great moments and uncertainty, the Lord had helped them. In fact, Moses testified in Psalm 90, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations from the call and promise made to Abraham to the 400 years in Egypt to the 40 years wandering in the wilderness to the hundreds of years during which they occupied the land of promise God had helped them the duration of time had never been an issue for almighty God God's help had been consistent God had not been more help at some time and less help at another God's facility and capacity had not been diminished by the passing of time. God had been all the help God had ever been at all times. For God is eternal. God is everlasting. God is unstoppable. God is unchangeable. God is what and who God was and is and will be who God has always been. Preach, preacher. Up to this point, the Lord has helped us as African Americans from the time prior to our captivity on the continent of Africa, across the Atlantic Ocean, amid 400 years of slavery and dehumanization through lynching, reconstruction, Jim Crow, the KKK, segregation, intimidation, discrimination, gerrymandering, and redistricting, the Lord has helped us. The Lord has helped each generation. He's helped bridgers, he's helped boomers, He's helped busters. He's helped millennials. He's helped Gen X, Y, and Z. God's help has been total and complete. And as we contemplate your congregational history, as you remember your beginnings, you have to testify that the Lord has helped you. Think of the duration of your family. Go back as far as you can and see how the Lord has defended and helped and provided for you. Think about your own life. Scamper across the decades before you were a sparkle in your father's eye or a thought in your mother's mind. Before you were a protoplasmic substance making your way up a fallopian tube in the darkness of your mother's womb. Revisit your childhood when you could have died from a thousand different diseases. Then think about your adolescence when the blood was dancing in your veins and you had 
more energy than you had common sense. The Lord helped you from the earliest of your existence up until this present time, the Lord has helped you. Am I right about that thing? There has been no time span outside of the Lord's help. No time too long, no time too hard, no time too strenuous for the Lord. The Lord has helped you every time up to this point. Speaks not only to the duration of time, but also to the distance that has been covered by the Lord's help. Everybody holler distance. Now look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I'm not gonna bother you much today but we've come a mighty long ways see God has brought us all the way how far how far had the Lord helped them well their story starts in Haran where God called Abraham to leave what he knew and go to a land that God designated Abraham packed his things and left not knowing where he was going but he landed in a promised land he landed in a place called Canaan Whoop, that went over your head I said he went out following God not knowing where he was going he ended up in a promised land that he did not initially recognize and the place was called Canaan okay I'm gonna preach to these people over here I said he went out not knowing where he was going and he ended up in a promised land called Canaan their journey across generations would lead them into Egypt, then out again, then to the wilderness, back into Canaan, and then into Assyria, Babylon, and Persia, and ultimately back to Jerusalem. And consider, my friends, the distance of the Lord's help for us from the shores of Africa to the coast of the Mid-Atlantic to the fields of labor throughout the South, including Kentucky, through the migration to the northern cities and towns, the Lord has helped us. And as was the case collectively, so has been the case congregationally. The Lord has helped us. There is no distance that we've had to travel that God has not helped us. From California to Connecticut, from Michigan to Maine, from Kansas to Kentucky, from all over these yet to be United States, the Lord has helped us in every place along the length of our journey. The Lord has helped us as far back as we can remember the Lord has helped us as far forward as we can imagine the Lord will be a help in fact the Lord is helping us right now loving us right now healing us right now preparing us right now lifting us right now opening doors right now the Lord woke you up this morning and started you on your way and he's blessing you right now I need you to to shake your neighbor and say you owe him a praise he woke you up this morning don't sit there looking cute and quaint he woke you up and started you on your way there's been no space we've ever been in no problem we've ever faced no need we've ever had no battle we ever fought where the Lord has not helped us and God did not help you just to get you this far and leave you now can we shout about that because wherever you are and wherever you're going God is already there the songwriter of Israel tried to wrap his mind around this idea and wrote 
wrote Psalm 139 and raised the question, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you are there. And if I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me. There is no place you can go where God is not. And since God is there, God's help will be there as well. Think about the distance you've covered, about where you began, about how much ground you've covered, how many storms you've endured, how many adversaries you've faced, how many valleys you've walked, how many miles you've covered, how many dark days and lonely nights and tear-filled moments and agonizing heartbreaks you've already come through. The Lord has helped you. Look at how far you've come from the projects, from the hood, from the farm, from the fields, from the struggle, from the depression, from the addiction, from the disappointment, from the abuse, from the ghetto, up out of the penitentiary, up off the street, out of the crack house. You have come a mighty long ways and we may as well be honest with each other. You haven't always been where you are right now. Tell the truth and shame the devil. You haven't always been big balling and shot calling, tree shaking and jelly making. Think about how far mentally, emotionally, spiritually and financially you have come. You ought to testify to four or five people right now. You ought to look them right in the eye like they owe you $20 and been avoiding you and say God has brought me a long, long way. If you only knew the distance I've come, you would understand why I praise him like I do. If you only knew how down I was, how out I was, how broken I was, how frustrated I was, how alone I was, how humiliated I was, and nobody but the Lord helped me, you'd understand my praise. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, I got to holler hallelujah for how he has brought me. Look at your neighbor. Say you weren't there neighbor. You looking at my right now but you don't know anything about my back then. I've got a Mike Jones testimony. Back then they didn't know me. Now that I'm blessed you all up on me. Up to this point the Lord has helped me. I gotta sit down. I gotta sit down but look that phrase speaks to the duration and the distance of the Lord's help but also the deliverance given through the Lord's help. This passage in its context reveals two types of difficulty that has been overcome with the help of the Lord. The first type of difficulty was created by the people themselves. Now I should warn you, this is the silent section of the sermon, but, but here is the fact. Some of the difficulties we have are difficulties we created for ourselves. Smile at your neighbor, say, ain't no need in lying, see. Israel's history, like ours, was filled with self-created difficulties. Can I call the roll? It started early with Abraham lying about Sarah. 
Isaac lying about Rebecca. Rebecca's favoritism towards Jacob. Isaac's favoritism towards Esau. Jacob's trickery. Joseph's tattling. The brother's jealousy. The people's impatience with Moses on the mountain. The people's doubt in the face of the giants. Achan taking what was forbidden. The people's idolatry created the difficulty that they experienced with the Philistines. But there's a shout here because even while they were outside of the will of God, God navigated around their self-created difficulties to give them the victory anyway. Israel did not return to the Lord until chapter 7, but God was already working in chapter 6. And I'm preaching to somebody at Canaan today who came to church struggling in your own self-created chapter 6. And God sent me to encourage you to not to give up because although you're not going to get it together until your chapter 7, God is already fixing it in your chapter 7 before you arrive while you're still struggling in your chapter 6 because the Lord had gotten it together while at the same time helping them to get together. Paul said it like this in Philippians 2.13, it is God working in you both to will and to do what pleases him. By God's help, they were able to overcome the difficulty that they had created for themselves. And throughout our collective history, there have been difficulties we have created for ourselves. And I told you in advance, you ain't gonna shout, but trace it back. There were tribes and countries on the continent of Africa who sold our ancestors into slavery. That self-created difficulty, the crab in the barrel mentality that draws energy from our insecurity and finds the need to attack others who are perceived to have moved too far ahead. That self-created difficulty, a scarcity mentality that causes us to withhold our help from others out of the erroneous belief that if we help them, we'll never have enough for ourselves. That self-created difficulty. Make it plain, preacher, we kill each other. We sell drugs to each other. We turn on each other. We abandon each other. We don't support our own institutions. We boycott our own businesses. We poison the minds of our young with hypersexualized, misogynistic images and lyrics that glamorize violence and denigrate women and reduces sexual intimacy to just an itch that need to be scratched. Because sometimes we are our own worst enemy. And yet despite all of that, the Lord has helped us. The Lord has helped us discern the good from the bad, the right from the wrong, the healthy from the harmful, the life-giving from the destructive. The Lord has helped us to see the right path and choose the right way and stay on the right road and teach the right things to get clean and stay clean, to get free and stay free, to get right and stay right. In some cases, the Lord has helped you to stand alone, to walk alone, to live alone, to fight alone, but know that you're never alone because the Lord has been with you every step of the way. 
in some cases the Lord has helped you turn around turn back turn from and turn to the Lord has helped you repent return regain restore renew revive and resurrect I wonder is there anybody here who will admit that you have jumped the rail a couple of times but you can shout because he led you back to the paths of righteousness for his name's sake See, you've got to deal with the truth about yourself. Yourself created difficulty. It ain't always haters who are blocking you. Sometimes you are blocking you. See, that's one type. But the second type of difficulty is that created by others. And I'm still in the text because just as the people were repenting, while they were in the midst of worship, their adversaries attacked. And as people of color, we have been under attack for hundreds of years in this country. And that's why I spent no time or energy with people who say, Preacher, that happened a long time ago. Why don't you just forget about it? Let's kumbaya, sing a happy song, give an apology, and move on. But I want to tell you, I cannot forget because it did happen. It is still happening, and it will continue to happen if we forget. Families were split and separated, huddled together like livestock, placed on the auction block, sold as property to be mortgaged, insured, collateralized for loans, traded like a commodity, worked like oxen, hounded like dogs, beaten like strays, wives raped, husbands lynched, or bred like animals, children sold like commodities, and then there was Jim Crow, what we were denied basic privileges, and in the struggle to obtain them, we were lynched and maimed and bombed and bitten by dogs and murdered. We've suffered through substandard schools, outdated books, teachers with low expectations, but up to this point speaks to the deliverance given by the Lord's help because nobody knows like you know the degree of difficulty you've had to overcome in your own life. Nobody knows what you've lost. Nobody knows what you've suffered, how you struggled, how you fought, how you cried, how you scuffled. Nobody knows the illness, the sickness, the diagnosis, the chemotherapy, the dialysis, the medication, the surgeries, the ailments you've had to endure. Nobody knows the rejection, the desertion, the molestation, the betrayal, the addiction, the depression, the doubts, the fears. Nobody knows your details, the letdowns, the layoffs, the put-downs, the shutdowns. Nobody knows the abuse that you've endured, physical abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, mental abuse, and somebody here knows what it is to take comfort in Psalm 86.16, where the songwriter said, turn to me and have mercy on me, O God. Show me your strength. Give me a sign of your goodness so my enemies will see it and be put to shame for you, O God, have helped me and comforted me. Who am I preaching to right now? Up to this point, the Lord has helped all of us when we were helpless the Lord sent us some help 
and his name is Jesus. He died for all of us. God demonstrated his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. He helped us by being wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, taking the chastisement or the penalty for our sin on himself so that by his stripes we are healed. He lived our life. He died our death. He went to hell on our behalf. And on the third day, God raised him up. And he's helping us right now at the right hand of God where he's making intercession for you and me. And I'm so glad that when I was helpless, the Lord was helping me. Have I got any witnesses? He kept on helping me and calling me until one day I heard his voice and I came to Jesus just as I was weary, worn, and sad but I found in him a resting place and he has made me glad up to this point the Lord has helped me and been for me and because he has I can declare he will he will send help he will be help he will give help in every place the Lord has helped me in every dilemma the Lord has helped me with every one of my enemies the Lord has helped me when the wicked even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat of my flesh God stuck out his foot and they stumbled and fell thank you Lord for helping me has he helped anybody here will you thank him will you praise him will you bless him the Lord will help you the Lord will fight your battles the Lord will lift your head the Lord will be your defense somebody ought to shout it with me like they did in the old school church they never had an anniversary without everybody in the church singing the same song they usually sang it as the choir marched in they would say we've come this far by faith leaning on the Lord trusting in his holy word he never failed me yet and then they get happy and say oh oh oh, oh can't turn around cause we've come this far by faith and I don't know how you feel about it but I don't feel no ways tired I've come too far from where I started from I prayed too hard I've cried too long I've struggled too much nobody told me that the road would be easy but I don't believe 
hey, hey, hey. I don't believe he brought me this far just to leave me now. Is there anybody here who has made up your mind that I'm going all the way? Shake three people's hands and say, neighbor, I can't turn around. I won't turn around because the Lord is helping me. Throw your head back and say to yourself, I can handle it because the Lord will help me. I can endure it because the Lord will help me. I can bear it. Yes. Yeah. Because the Lord is helping me. Up to this point. The people represent the church no matter where we are. So stay connected and reach others as we grow in Christ.